0: One of the primary differences between a man-made religion and the gospel of the grace of God is found in one very simple word, done. You see, the work of salvation has already been provided in the death of Christ on the cross of Calvary. It is through him that we can be saved. The problem is universal, affecting all races, cultures, and creeds, the problem of our sins and how to have them forgiven. In today's gospel message, evangelist Mr. Philip Colson takes a look at the basis of the gospel message. The sin problem. A holy God, the need for all of us to acknowledge and repent of our sin, and the forgiveness offered by God Himself in sending Christ to pay the great debt that we could never pay. Through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. That's what the Bible says. It's a wonderful message that we hope will help you to understand. God's Way of Salvation.
1: Verse 38 of Acts chapter 13. Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets, Behold ye despisers, and wonder, and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. Well, as I've said, this was part of a much longer message that Paul preached to the people back there in Antioch, in Pisidia. But the message that Paul preached is a message which is very, very needful for men to preach tonight. There are people from many parts of the world that regardless of our race, color, religion, background, culture. The thing that is common to us all is that we need the forgiveness of sins. We would all recognize that ultimately we have come from one source. Whatever the diversity amongst us now, we've come from one origin. And in the beginning, when God made the heavens and the earth, he made our first parents, Adam and Eve. We've all come from them. It was through our first parents, sadly, that sin came into the world, and that is a legacy of theirs and a thread that is common to every person that has ever lived in this world. And so though I don't know you, and I don't know perhaps much about where you're from and your culture and so on, my dear friends, I know this about you, that you need your sins forgiven. And that is the message of the gospel that we are preaching. We're not preaching religion. I'm very, very pleased about that. I meet a lot of folk who say to me, Mr., I think religion is the cause of most of this world's problems. And sometimes they seem surprised when I agree with them. It is absolutely true that this world has got far too much religion. In fact, it's interesting in the verses we have read that as Paul was preaching, he pointed out that the only religion that God ever gave, now there's a lot more, of course, that men have devised, but the only religion that God ever gave was the religion of the Jewish people, of the Hebrew nation. Theirs was the only God-given religion. And yet, as Paul was preaching, he said to his people this, that there were things concerning that religion, there were sins from which they could not be justified by the law of Moses. When we think of the subject of the forgiveness of sins, the only God-given religion that the world ever had was unable to bring that forgiveness. Now, I think, I hope that you would agree with me, that if the only religion that God has given can't see a man have his sins forgiven, then what hope is there for any religion that men have devised? And yet, I've had the privilege of traveling in various parts of the world, I never cease to be amazed at the effort that men will put in to their own way of trying to appease whatever deity it is that they worship. A wonderful truth about the message of God's salvation in the gospel is that it cuts right through every opinion of man. It cuts right through every religion of man. And as Paul preached very clearly, and it's the message that we preach again tonight, it's not through some religion that we can know our sins forgiven and peace with God. It's not through deciding to follow some particular person or some particular line of things. No. God says very clearly in the message of the gospel, if you are to have your sins forgiven, it will be through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, salvation is not to be found in religion. Salvation is to be found in a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul was preaching, he was preaching to an audience that was made up, perhaps of greater diversity even than this one. He would have had at one end of the scale, people who were openly idolaters. And they worshipped at particular idolatrous temples, and they bowed down to gods of wood and of stone. And at the other end of the scale, he had the proud Jew who had been given the law, who had been given this divine religion. And yet, no matter the gulf between those two extremes, they have this in common. They were all trying, through their own means, to find a basis of peace with God. And as Paul preached to them, he says, Now, men and brethren, know this. It's through this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, that it is preached unto you, the forgiveness of sins. It means that the forgiveness of sins can be known... It's a real thing. We can know with assurance that sins are forgiven and that if we are to have those sins forgiven, it's not because we belong to some church, some organization, some religion, some philosophy. It can only be if through a living faith we know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. What a unique, glorious message that is. You see, the fact that salvation is through Him and through faith in Him Why? It means that nobody who hears that message is excluded. It's not for one section of the world's humanity. It's not for one level of the world's social scales. It's not for some level of the world's economic scales. Whether a person is high-born and wealthy, or whether a person is very, very lowly, this message is for them. And my dear friend, this message is for you. Through this man is preached unto you, whoever you are, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. Now why do we need that? Why do we need sins forgiven? For a man or a woman to die in their sins, to finish their short allotted time on earth, however they have lived it, to then die in their sins, never having made their peace with God, never having come to repentance for their sins, never having acknowledged to the eternal God of heaven that they have sinned, never having sought his forgiveness, for a person to die in their sins is to be absolutely sure of everlasting divine judgment. That's not a popular message today. It's not a message that any preacher finds delight in preaching. But my friend, I'm here tonight with God's help to tell you what God's news for you is. And the Word of God, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that if a man or a woman dies in their sins, it is to face endless divine judgment because of those sins. It's those sins that are going to attract the wrath of God. It's those sins that need to be dealt with. And they need to be dealt with now. They need to be dealt with in time, for in eternity it will be too late. The sins that we commit are sins which are the result of the very nature that we have. In that we are no different. Once again, our origins, our ethnic origins, our languages, our features might be different. But we've all got this in common. We're sinners. And we're not sinners because we commit sins. We're sinners because we are linked with our first father, Adam. It's the nature we have taken from him that makes us sinners. And because we are sinners, well, we commit sins. My wife and I were blessed with three lovely little grandchildren, different ages. And it's very interesting to see how early in their life, they begin to realize that they're doing something that they shouldn't do. Even at just a few months old, unable to speak, unable to walk, we watched as one of them sat in the high chair, and before she reached for something that she shouldn't have, she shot a quick look at her mum. She knew that what she was doing was not going to meet with mum's approval. Of course, at that age, the infant simply knows that there is something they're about to do, and it's not going to meet with the approval of the parents. Then as the infant grows a little and starts going to school, then a new set of rules comes in, and the child knows that it's not only possible to do something which is wrong as far as mum and dad are concerned, but, well, if you do something that's against the rules, you offend the teacher as well. But it's interesting to see in our oldest grandchild, and when I'm at home, she'll come and she'll sit on my lap, and she wants to speak about the fact that there's a God in heaven, and it's beginning to dawn on her now, that the things she does that are wrong are not just something wrong against mom and dad. And they're not just something wrong against the teacher, but something is telling her that what she is doing is wrong in the sight of God. Where does she get that from? You say, well, have you not been reading her the Bible and Bible stories? Of course we have. But you know, there's others who come to exactly the same conclusion. They've never heard a Bible story in their life. Where does that consciousness of sin come from? comes from the very God who made us. So within every one of us, and you included, within every one of us, there is a consciousness of sin. Sin in the life. Things that we do that we ought not to do. Things that we should do that we fail to do. And there's sin in the life of every one of us, and there is a consciousness that that sin is not simply against the codes of society, for we may not have broken those. Nevertheless, there's still a there's still a consciousness within us. There is some higher being. It is possible, of course, to switch that off. And some folks spend a lifetime trying to do that. Eventually trying to, to sear their conscience and cauterize their conscience. Convince themselves that really they're an atheist. I would throw out the challenge tonight. That there's no such thing as a real atheist in this world. And the reason I believe that is because God teaches me in his word. That consciousness of God, consciousness of sin, consciousness of an eternity, consciousness that time is not what it's all about, that consciousness is something God has given to every person. It's a strange thing, isn't it, that even the hardened atheists, in times of great peril and distress, and the first thing they'll do is call on God for help. You see, it's there. There is a consciousness there. And dear friends tonight, tenderly we're trying to appeal to that. We're trying to appeal to that in your own conscience. I know, I know full well that you live according to the laws of the land and you live in the spirit of the laws of our society. I'm sure that you are recognized as good upright people. But the great thing is you don't have to answer to me eventually in eternity and you don't have to answer to the laws of the land or to society. My dear friend, you must answer to the God in whose hand your breath lies. You must individually answer to God, and it's against God that you have sinned. And God is of such unbending, inflexible righteousness and holiness that that sin must, must, must be judged. That's why you are facing, if you have never in your life so far, if you have never faced up to this great issue of the need for sins to be forgiven, if you've never repented consciously before God for those sins, and sought his mercy and forgiveness, if you've never done that, then the way the scripture describes you as still being in your sins. You are still facing divine wrath. And it's from that divine wrath that you can be saved. It's from that divine wrath and judgment that you can be delivered. That deliverance comes when your sins are forgiven. And your sins are forgiven when you come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need not concern ourselves with man's philosophies, man's religions, man's thoughts. The God who has made us, the God in whose hands our breath lies, the God whom we have offended is the God who tonight is offering the forgiveness of sins. And it's through this man. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. None of us really likes to face up to the fact in stark terms, number one, that we are sinners, and number two, that we are inevitably facing Divine wrath and judgment for eternity. Men and women don't want to think about that. So they want to talk about something else. Or they will become offended. Who do you think you are calling me a sinner? Dear friend, I'm not calling you a sinner. Word of God tells me that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Your unconscious tells you you're a sinner. It's not going to help your condition to get mad at me. The issue lies between you and God. The issue of the forgiveness of your sins. And God is ready and faithful and willing to forgive those sins if you will repent of them and if you will put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior whom he sent into the world to save sinners. Now, if you'll not come under God's way, if you will not come according to God's instructions, if you will insist that there is no case to answer, dear friend, you're heading for an eternity of judgment. I hope you would recognize, please, I would hope you would recognize tonight that in what I am preaching to you, There's nothing in it for me. I'm not trying to get followers. I'm not trying to say to you, you've got to join this church, or you've got to join anything, pay anything, be anything. I stand before you by the grace of God as a sinner saved by God's grace. And that's why I'm preaching that same message to you. It's the knowledge that my sins are forgiven that makes me stand to preach the same message to you. Son of God, love me enough to take my place. Bear the punishment in my place. And from that moment on, when I repented of my sins and I put my faith in the Lord Jesus as the living, powerful, wonderful Savior of sinners, able to save and able to keep, from that moment on, I've had complete assurance that my sins are forgiven, that I have peace with God, I'm ready for heaven. Now what about you? Something real, you see. It's something absolutely real. It's not a case of, well, I'm a member of this, are you? It's not a case of this is my philosophy, do you share it? It is that by the grace of God I know I have a wonderful living Savior. The man who was crucified and put to an open shame at Calvary so that a sinner like me could be saved, that same man whom they laid in a tomb, God raised him from the dead and He's alive today. And that's how he's ready and able to save to the uttermost all who would come unto God by him. That's why it is so unique to be able to preach that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. You see, I look around all these dear men and women, busy with their religion, busy trying to placate whatever deity they feel they have offended. And no matter what the religion is, no matter what its name is, no matter what its beliefs are, it all boils down to this one thing. Men and women who are following religion are trying to do something to be saved. And the gospel teaches that everything that needs to be done for you to be saved has been done. It's been done by the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary. You need do nothing except obey the word of God, which is repent and believe the gospel. Mind you, repentance isn't a popular subject today. You see, nowhere does the Bible say, well now, if you just simply give mental assent to the things that are preached, well now, that's sufficient." to satisfy God. Nowhere does the Bible say that. It must begin with repentance. Repentance is that recognition, that sincere, solemn recognition that I have sinned against God. And that from this moment on, as I repent of my sins, I am turning away from them. And I call upon God for mercy. And I put my faith, I lean my whole weight upon the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of sinners. It means this. It means that I turn from my old way of life. I turn to acknowledge the lordship of the man who died to save me. Nowhere in my Bible do I find a person who, having confessed their sins, repented of them and put their faith in Christ, that they went on to lead the same kind of life as they did before. You see, to be saved is to have a new life. To be saved is to have your life changed completely. Is that what you're ready for? Is that what you want? New life in Christ life that satisfies, life that has new values, life that enables you to see things in a completely different way from the way you ever saw them before. And you might think, well, is such a thing possible? Well, the man standing before you can humbly testify to it. There's many, many others in this room tonight with stories different yet very similar to mine who can testify that the Lord Jesus can not only save, but he can satisfy, that there is an enjoyment of new life in Christ, a life that satisfies. The person who is saved, that very moment that they believe the gospel, the Spirit of God comes and gives them new life. Now, I've been preaching the gospel by the grace of God for a number of years now. I don't think I ever preach, except I tell the men and women who are kind enough to listen, it's a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing to be saved. It's a real thing to be saved. And it demands genuine repentance. It demands that the sinner... Faces up to the problem and acts upon it. Repentance toward God. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the promise of the word of God. That he that believeth my word. He that believeth and acts upon it. Not condemned. The judgment is passed. The sins are forgiven. The penalty that was due to me. Is seen by God as having been born by his beloved son at Calvary. And I stand before you tonight my dear friends a sinner saved by grace, justified in the sight of God, the sin question no longer is going to appear between me and God. I have peace with Him, not because of anything I did, but all because of what my Savior did at Calvary. That peace, that salvation, that satisfaction, that new Lordship in your life, it can all be yours tonight. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. As Paul was preaching He voiced what we might say was the gospel's welcome. Through this man, Is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. But he also sounded the gospel's warning as well. He quoted from one of the lesser-known books of the Old Testament, written by a prophet called Habakkuk. And Habakkuk prophesied about a foreign army that was going to come and destroy the land of Israel, and it was going to come with tremendous ferocity and tremendous speed. And Paul quotes that scripture, And he says in verse 41, where we left off our reading, Behold ye despisers, and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. He was speaking about the rapidity and the severity with which judgment will come. If those who hear the word of warning despise it, reject it. You see, I have no way of knowing, nor is it my business to know, how the Spirit of God is dealing with your soul tonight. I don't know for sure who in this building is saved by God's grace and who are still in their sins. I don't know who's on the road to heaven and who's on the road to a lost eternity. But God knows. And my friend, your response to this meeting tonight has got nothing to do with me. It's got everything to do with you and your God. God, in His great goodness and mercy and kindness, has so ordered your life so that tonight you are in a place where in peace and safety and comfort you can hear a word from God himself, a word of salvation, through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. If you reject that, if you decide that you're not going to answer to that call, if you decide that you're going to trifle with God, then be aware of this. The judgment of God can come with tremendous rapidity and tremendous severity. The only time that you can be sure of where you can respond to this lovely truth that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, the only time you can be sure of to respond to that is now. Are you prepared to take it that seriously? I hope you will agree I haven't preached religion to you tonight. I haven't preached church attendance to you tonight. No one has sought a penny from you. No one wants anything from you. All we want is for you to have what by the grace of God we have. And that is to know with assurance that your sins are forgiven. That you have peace with God. That your soul is set fair for eternity. That if and when death comes, you are assured of a place in heaven, a place in an eternal home. That's why it's such a wonderful thing to be saved. Are you just going to go out and reject that, ignore it? Just this man's opinion, is it? You know deep in your soul that the things I've tried to tell you tonight are true. You know deep in your soul whether or not you have peace with God. We would urge you in God's name. Repent. Believe the gospel and the word of God says you will be saved.
0: So, may I ask you a question? Do you have peace with God? Well, as Mr. Colson has shown us, you can know with full assurance that your sins are forgiven and that you have a home in heaven. We echo Mr. Colson's remark it's a wonderful thing to be saved. Are you? If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our website at anchorpointradio.com.